You are listening to the Sermon Podcast for Triumph Lutheran Brethren Church. Our vision is to see the life and message of Jesus transform hearts, homes, and cities. Wherever you are, our prayer is that God would meet you and that the life and message of Jesus would transform your life. To find more resources, go to triumphlbc.org. So I'm here to tell you about that night. Yeah, that night. You know the one. So I'm just sitting there, right, keeping watch over my flocks, and it's getting dark fast because it always does this time of year. And the wind's biting my face. I'm already freezing. And the sheep, they're, they're all bedded down in the ravine, piled up on top of each other to fight the cold. My breath is coming out like smoke. And so I go loud enough so that my fellow shepherds could hear me gonna be a long night fellas and then I hear one of them go we're living the dream boys another guy groans and goes yeah 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 and another guy he just burps really loud he sounds like a bear with the bellyache and then under my breath I'm like ugh, I hate my life because see, shepherds like us, well, <clears throat> we're basically at the bottom of the pile. People have a name for us. They, they call us Amha Aretz. And that ain't a compliment because Amha Aretz is a name that, that basically means nobodies or trash, which is why people treat us like we don't exist. So like no one grows up wanting to be a shepherd. No one comes from a long, proud line of shepherds. No one chooses to be a shepherd. You're a shepherd because you don't have any other choice. You're a shepherd because it beats starving to death. But it don't beat it by much. Because for one thing, you basically work all the time outside. So you know, you're frozen solid in the winter and you're fried to a crisp in the summer. And you never do anything except stare at a bunch of stupid sheep. It's boring, brainless work. And I know this sounds weird, but I actually look forward to something bad happening, you know, like a predator attacking or something, because it gives me something to do. There's something to break up the monotony because it's mind numbing. And I'm not proud of this, but I drink too to break up the monotony. A lot sometimes. The shepherds have a reputation for being drunks. And truth is, we've earned that reputation. It, it, it just goes with the territory we drink to try and cope with the misery of being a shepherd. And another part of that misery is the smell. I mean, sheep smell terrible. And when you spend a lot of time around sheep, which you can't exactly avoid when you're a shepherd, everything starts smelling like sheep. Like everything. So wherever you go, people know that you're a shepherd because you smell like sheep. And then they know that you're trash, that you're amha aretz. You, you can't escape it. And seriously, that, that's maybe the worst part of all. I wasn't always a shepherd, though. I used to work selling olives and olive oil in the marketplace in Bethlehem. I didn't own the business, but I worked for a guy who had some pretty good-sized olive groves, and I loved it. And made a decent living, too. Decent enough to provide for my wife and kids. We had everything we needed. But that wasn't enough for me. I wanted more. 
you know, newer clothes, better shoes, more to eat, maybe even putting an addition onto our home, things like that. So when I see day after day, week after week, year after year, how, how much money my boss, the owner's making, when, when, when I see the owner and his family and their fancy clothes and shoes coming out of their ears and how they're always going to Jerusalem to shop and how the owner's wife is always coming home with new gold jewelry, when I see all this, I'm thinking, well, what about me? What about my family? I mean, I've worked twice as hard as my boss and he makes a hundred times as much money as I do. That ain't fair. That ain't right. So, and, and I'm not proud of this either. So I start skimming money off the top. Now, the first time was hard. Even though I only take a couple silver coins, I mean, man, my heart is just pounding. But each time I do it, it gets a little easier. And pretty soon, second nature. And the extra money made a big difference at home. I mean, uh, I could finally buy my family uh, nicer clothes, better shoes, jewelry, brand new toys to play with. And, and don't get me wrong, I mean, I liked all the new stuff. But what I really liked is how being able to buy this stuff made me feel important. And that felt good. But, and you can probably see where this is going, but my boss didn't become a successful businessman by being clueless. I mean, first he notices the new stuff, the clothes, shoes, and whatever, and that gets his attention. And then when he sees how profit margins are slipping just a little for no good reason, well, from there, it didn't take him long to figure out what's going on. I mean, he knows that I'm stealing from him. And so he watches me like a hawk. And one day he catches me slipping some stolen money into my purse. But the boss, he... <clears throat> He doesn't just fire me, he has me arrested. And so they throw me in jail and, and sentence me to stay there till I can pay back the money that I stole. And now I saved a little of what I stole, but that only put a small dent into what I owed. And you know, it's it pretty hard to earn money when you're rotting away in prison. So now my family's struggling to make ends meet. And finally, it, it gets so bad for them that my wife and kids have to move in with her parents, my in-laws. I mean, there's no way I'm going to be able to pay off this debt from jail. So my wife, she begs her father to pay off the debt for me. But honestly, I think he would have rather let me spend the rest of my life in there after all the shame and humiliation I caused. But my wife's persistent, and so he finally gives in and pays off my debt. And I get released from prison, and I go home, and my wife and kids are waiting for me. And I, you know, I'm just so glad to be home, to be with my family again. But something was different. Something changed. I think that, that, that what I did, what I stole, well, that, it's like that dirtied them too. And they probably never say it, but I know they resent me. No, they're ashamed of me. I, I, I can feel that in my gut. And so, I mean, I, I'm wondering if things can ever go back to the way that they were before. And, and I just swear to myself that I'm going to fix this. I'm going to prove myself to my family. But first, I need to find a job and like fast. But I'm thinking, uh, I know so many people in Bethlehem from back when I was selling olive oil. So I, I figure that I'll have no trouble locking down a job. I was wrong. Because it turns out that people aren't too keen on hiring someone who is in prison for stealing from their employer. Nobody's going to hire me. 
I mean, I'm damaged goods. And there's nothing I could do about it. So now my wife has to try and find some way to earn some money. Fortunately, she finds a few of the more well-off people in town who pay her to do their laundry. But I mean, it's barely enough to keep us from starving. And every time my wife leaves the house to go do other people's laundry, every time I see my kids going without, it makes me sick. And I feel the weight of my shame. It, it feels like a millstone around my neck. So I go get the shepherding job. And, you know, I, I'm thinking that, that maybe things will finally get better now. They didn't. Because like I said, I'm basically <clears throat> working all the time, including nights. And I mean, when you're a shepherd, you live out there in the fields with your sheep. So I barely see my family anymore. And even though I'm putting food on the table, yeah, I, I'm almost never there to eat it. And on the rare occasions when I am home, I'm so exhausted. I just crash. So even when I'm there, I'm, I'm not really there, you know? God bless her. My wife hung in there as long as she could. She, she really did. But, but at some point, I mean, all this was more than she could take. The, the, the long hours away from home, the low wages, the hungry bellies, the terrible smell, and probably worst of all, the, the, the shame of being a shepherd's wife. So she takes the kids and moves back in with her parents. And now I basically never see them anymore. And I'm crushed, but I don't blame her. I blame myself. I am Amha Aretz. I am trash. A good for nothing shepherd. And I hate my life. But I hate myself even more. So that's what I'm thinking about. Right as, as I sit there shivering out in the field, keeping watch over my flocks by night. And I grab my wineskin, and I take a good long drink. And then I take another one, and another one, and another one, and another one. And I'm waiting for the wine to warm my insides and, and hopefully take the edge off how miserable and lonely I'm feeling. I'm just sick inside, like the weight of the whole world is on my shoulders. I feel so alone. But worst of all, I feel like God has turned his back on me too. But, but, why, but why wouldn't he? I mean, seriously, if I'm not worthy of other people's love and attention, how can I possibly be worthy of God's love and attention? You know what I am? I am a loser, that, that's what I am, literally. I lost my job. I lost my family. I lost my dignity, my reputation. I lost my sobriety. I even lost my faith in God. I lost everything. Everything that ever really mattered to me, I've lost. I am a loser. Am ha aretz. So I started looking around at all the rest of the shepherds that night spread out all around the ravine, and it just hits me that they've all got a story like mine in one way or another. And I just shook my head. What a bunch of losers, I said. It's the Amha Aretz Club. So I just leaned back and closed my eyes and listened to the cold wind howl through the ravine. 
I think I fell asleep because when I open my eyes, it's like full dark. And it's the weirdest thing, but the air's humming and crackling like, like, like static before a storm. And so I get up and, and now every hair on my body's standing on end. And then I hear like this whooshing sound. And it, it, it's getting louder and louder and more violent. And, and all of a sudden, a, a bolt of lightning rips through the air and it just shakes the whole ravine. I fall down and land hard on my back. And when I sit up, I, 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 I can't believe it. That there's this angel, this great warrior of light who's hovering over the middle of the ravine. And that angel's shining brighter than any light I've ever seen. I got to cover my eyes. I mean, the whole ravine's lit up like noon in the summertime. And then the angel's voice roars like a clap of thunder. And it echoes everywhere. (laughs) I just stay down on the ground. I'm like shaking, moaning. I'm scared to death. I'm not joking. I almost wet myself. Because then the angel thunders. Do not be afraid. Listen to me. I am bringing you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. The air hummed and crackled. And then the angel said, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. My heart's just hammering in my chest. I mean, it's all I can do to breathe. But I'm thinking, what? How's a baby lying in a cattle feeder supposed to be a sign? And a sign for what? What in the world does a a poor baby in a cattle feeder have to do with Christ the Lord? I don't know. So then the, the, the buzzing, staticky sound just keeps getting louder and louder and louder until it seems like the whole world is vibrating. I, I just close my eyes and cover my ears. I, I can't take it. The sound and the vibration, it, it's too much. And it just keeps getting worse and worse until there's an explosion of light and sound. And the whole sky is filled with angels, an army of angels, battalions of angels, everywhere you look. I mean, there's got to be hundreds, thousands of them. And now there's like this dome of blinding white light that's covering the whole ravine. And this angel dome is blasting a wall of sound. The angel armies are praising God. They're saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom God favors. I can feel every word the angels say thumping, vibrating in my chest. And then, then, then they're just gone. It's dark and quiet again. I look around and I didn't even notice that the other shepherds are are standing there. So I get up 
but, but, but nobody dares say a word. But, but we're all looking at each other like, like well, you saw that too, right? And I mean, what am I going to say anyway? Like, well, that was neat. I mean, come on, I'm shocked right down on my bones. And I'm confused. Because the angel said that God was going to bring peace to the people that he favors. But who are the people that God favors? Well, I know if sure ain't a shepherd like me, I'm, I'm ha-aretz. God favors the good people, people who make a good living, people who make good decisions, people who are good husbands, good fathers, people who take good care of their families, right? Well, once some of the shock wears off, the other shepherds and I, we get together and start talking about all this. Because every one of us heard what the angel said. So we all decide that we're going to Bethlehem to check things out for ourselves. And I mean, we're like booking it. And we all just leave the sheep down in the ravine too. Because I mean, when an angel tells you to do something, you do it. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't want those angels to come back. So we're all running and you know, all the way into town. I'm wondering about this baby that we're supposed to find. I'm thinking, well, uh, I mean, this baby can't really be Christ the Lord, can he? I mean, Christ the Lord can't be lying there in some cattle feeder Bethlehem, can he? That can't be right. That, that, that can't be how Christ the Lord is born. Can it? So we get to Bethlehem and it's the middle of the night. And then one of the guys goes, So how are we supposed to find a baby this time of night? And we're like, I don't know. So we're just randomly wandering around the town and we're walking and then we turn a corner and we see that there's this light in one of the houses, a lamp's flickering inside. And it's just a regular house. I mean, the kind of two-story house that everybody lives in. And one of the guys goes, it's the middle of the night. I mean, we can't knock on the door. And everybody else is like, yeah, I know, right, probably not. But I go, yeah, we can. We have to knock. We have to know. So I turn around and I go bang on the door. And I wait a little bit, and then I bang on it again. And after a good long minute, this guy answers the door. And he don't look happy. So I go, hey, I'm sorry to bother you so late, but is this your home? And the guy goes, yep. But look, fellas, we, we don't got any room here for anybody else to stay, so... So then I go, oh, oh, no, we're not looking for somewhere to stay. And he, I, I know this is going to sound pretty weird, but it's been a pretty weird night so far. So I, I'm just going to come right out and say it, that some angels showed up to us when we were out in the fields watching over our flocks tonight. And, and they told us that Christ the Lord was born tonight here in Bethlehem and that we were going to find him lying in a manger. So is there a newborn baby lying in a manger here? And the guy just looks at me and goes, get out of here. He starts closing the door. 
But then I hear this lady's voice from inside. And she goes, oh, let them come in. It's fine. Let them in. So the guy just rolls his eyes and goes, why not? Everyone else has. He opens the door. And I go inside. And and right away, I see that the angels were telling the truth. There is a baby there, a, a, a baby all wrapped up in cloths and lying in a cattle feeder. It's surrounded by the animals that they brought inside for the night. It's exactly like the angel said. And so the lady sees us and she sits up and smiles. She's young, I mean really young. And there's a guy lying next to her, but he's sound asleep, snoring. And the other guy, the guy who answered the door, he's just grumbling and climbing back upstairs where everybody else is sleeping. And the lady waves us over. And so we're all standing around the manger looking down at that baby. And he's wide awake. And so the lady, his mom, she goes, his name's Jesus. Do you want to hold him? And all at once, all the guys are like, oh, no, 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 ma'am. No, no, thank you. But then I go, I, I will. I'll hold him if it's okay. The lady, she smiles at me and nods her head. So I reach down into the manger and pick up the baby. Jesus, the lady said. And I look at him, and and I look at him, and I look at him, but I can't figure out what the sign is. I I, I don't know what the angels meant when they said that there's some kind of sign waiting for us there. What is it? What's the sign? And then the truth just comes crashing down on me like a bag of bricks, and I see it. I finally see it, the sign. If that baby is Christ the Lord, you know what that means? It means that that out of all the people that God could have sent to see his Savior King on the night of his birth, you know who God sent? You know who God sent? He sent Am Haaretz. God sent a a, a bunch of wool-chasing, tick-picking losers who smell like sheep manure and cheap wine and campfire smoke. God sent an army of his angels to tell a bunch of Amhaharet shepherds to go to Bethlehem and to welcome his newborn king. That's the sign. That's the sign. That baby lying there in a manger was a sign that showed me that no matter where I've been, no matter how bad I smell or how much I drink or what people call me or how bad I screwed up, that that no matter who I am or what I've done, that there's room at the manger with the baby Jesus. Even for people like 
So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just standing there holding on to that baby like my life depends on it. Because, you know, in, in some strange way, I feel like it does. Like my life does depend on it. And I still feel that way. I mean, all these years later, because of that baby, my life has never been the same. Because that baby grew up and he changed the world. He changed everything. But that's a story for a different day. Today, there's no question that that baby changed my life. Oh, I'm still a shepherd. I'm still trying to work things out with my wife and kids. I still can't control how other people see me or what they say about me. But now I know what God thinks of me because of that baby. That baby changed my life for good, forever. Because now I know that no matter what, no matter how alone I feel, I know that God is with me. And if you don't mind me saying, if I can know that God is with me, only you can know that God is with you. No matter what your story is, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how you screwed up, no matter what anyone thinks, no matter what you think of yourself, whether you think that you're a winner or a loser or somewhere in between, God is with you. And he always will be. Because of that baby. Because of Christmas. Hey, I'm Pastor Doug. I just want to take a minute and to say thank you for downloading or streaming this content today. We at Triumph pray that it will transform your heart and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. I have three quick thoughts that I just want to share with you and it'll, it'll only take a minute. First, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd be willing, visit our website at triumphlbc.org connect and let us know how we can reach out to you. Or you can visit triumphlbc.org events to find an activity that you could jump into. Second, we hope that you see this content as supplementary in your walk with Jesus. Our, our digital content isn't really designed to be a replacement for belonging and engaging with a gospel community, whether that's here at Triumph or another church. And third, we invest a lot into producing this content and it's used to bless people like you and others all over our community. If this or really any of our other resources that you find online have been a blessing to you, would you consider giving? It's because of your generosity that we're able to continue creating and serving online. Thanks again, and may the Lord bless you.